3: Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. Professional poker player Rich Alati made what he thought was a sure bet. For $100,000, he wagered he could survive 30 days alone, sealed in a room in total darkness. The bet began, as many do, with an interesting conversation he had with another poker pro, Rory Young. The two had just met, and as poker players, they got to know each other, A bit of back and forth, a bit of conceal and reveal, and a bit of bluffing. Their talk led to wondering about the endurance of the human mind if it's completely shut off from contact with the outside world. How long do you think you could survive on your own without any personal interaction? Alati said he could last a month. Wanna bet? The two poker players shook hands and prepared. A contract was signed. A room inside a house in Henderson, Nevada was rented on Airbnb. A contractor boarded up the bathroom off a standard master bedroom. It was made completely soundproofed and blacked out. A fridge was brought into the bathroom and a mattress. Live cameras were set up in the space. On November 21, 2018, the cameras were turned on. Alati went into the room and, and prepared to pocket $100,000. All he had to do was wait for 30 days to pass. Hello darkness. It is the enemy of isolation and solitude. We are social creatures. Some of us thrive when we're with others. Some of us thrive when we're alone. Let's learn from survivor thrivers who have something to teach us on how to be alone. Not many of us would choose to do what poker player Rich Alati did. We wouldn't have that opportunity and the option to lock ourselves away for a specific period, shutting out all human contact by choice. But people do it. And what they've learned from these self-imposed lockdowns or extreme isolation by choice give us lessons in how to survive loneliness and thrive in being alone. Survival is geared towards some fundamental things, companionship and the natural cycles of the exterior world. When we are deprived of those things, the impact on us internally is real, both physically and mentally. Consider this. During lockdown, did you feel more tired? Many of us began going to bed earlier because our sleep patterns changed. Stress and anxiety and boredom can all cause fatigue. We feel more tired, but we probably also felt less rested when we slept all those extra hours. We wake up in different ways, by alarm clocks, the smell of coffee, outside noises, or in my case, hearing my dog Ruthie throw up this morning. There are also internal biological indicators. When you wake up, your cortisol level rises. Cortisol is a stress hormone that works in certain parts of your brain. It controls mood, motivation, and fear. We need cortisol to be active because it fuels our body's fight-or-flight instinct. When we're stressed out, it means our cortisol levels are up. If it's not, we will sleep through sudden, unexpected attacks. Cortisol is often called nature's built-in alarm system, telling us it's time to wake up. At the end of our day, cortisol levels lower, signaling that it's time to sleep. In an interview with Action Magazine, Richelotti said he thought he could sleep away most of his time while in complete darkness. People who live underground, he had read, could sleep for 15 to 17 hours at a time. In extreme situations, they could sleep for more than a day. He had hoped, Alati said, that he could sleep away much of those 30 days in complete darkness. But he only managed to sleep about 6 to 12 hours, leaving many more hours alone and in the dark. Those awake times left Alati flooded with so much cortisol that in stayed proper medical terms, from WebMD.com, he was, quote, out of whack. As a yoga enthusiast and practitioner of meditation, Alati prided himself on being resilient and calm under pressure. He was allowed under the rules of the contract he signed with Rory Young to bring a yoga mat and a resistance ball. As a professional poker player, Alati was also really good at memorization. Two days before entering the room, he spent time memorizing where everything was in the bathroom, the faucet, the bath, and he arranged the room so he could remember where he had put his clothes, where the food was, and the toiletries. He had essential oils and sugar and salt scrubs, things that were appropriate for being in a bathroom. On day three, after being shut in, the hallucinations began, and Rich Alati saw the room filled with white bubbles.
4: And one of the things that's fascinating about humans is that we are such social creatures. And actually taking us away from other people into isolation causes huge stresses on our physiology and our psychology.
3: Professor Sarita Robinson, who teaches at the University of Central Lancashire, is better known as Dr. Survival. She researches people's reactions to disasters, to events like hostage situations and long-term space missions, and does a formulation on why some people are more likely to survive than others in emergencies. The first time she realized that this was something worth understanding was as a child. She wondered what it was like to travel to space. But one thought troubled her.
4: Even as a kid, I was like thinking, well, that's okay." but you're asking somebody to sit in a metal tube for 18 months without human contact, that's not going to go well.
3: What Dr. Survival has learned is that loneliness is a social construct. You can be at a party with 200 people around you pre-COVID times and be really, really lonely. In other situations, it could be just you and your dog and you're not lonely. Loneliness is not just a social construct, It can be, as we have said on this show before, very subjective.
4: Some people deal with loneliness better than others. Maybe they're more self-contained. They've got different strategies, different things they enjoy. Or potentially, actually being in a social setting for whatever reason causes a lot of anxiety. And being somewhere peaceful and on their own and not having to deal with social interactions that they might find difficult to navigate, is actually a relief to them.
3: What kind of person were you during lockdown, Dr. Survival asks. Were you the person who adjusted well and you were fine being on your own at home with enough social contact through things like social media or the occasional trip to get essentials?
4: And then there are other people who might be living in a large household with lots of, you know, like a student household with lots of different people around, and yet they're still really lonely because they're not connecting on some sort of emotional level with those people around them.
3: Dr. Survival is a big fan of reality shows like Survivor and people like Les, Survivor Man Stroud, and Bear Grylls and his show, Man vs. Wild. She likes those shows not just because they're entertaining... But on a deeper level, there are group dynamics and human dynamics demonstrated for viewers, people who may never be in a similar situation.
4: They really show us people under pressure and how people cope or don't cope.
3: As a level of entertainment, it tells us something. But on another deeper level, Dr. Survival says, the more important story is why some people survive and thrive while others do not
4: it can be completely fascinating as a psychologist because you see groups that come together and they work really well and people are really productive and they you know they, they really smash the survival task and then you have other groups where it all goes wrong and they even though they're in the same environment with the same resources they you know bickering starts the interpersonal dynamics fall apart and it's a real you know, pressure house then of everything that's going to go wrong because they can't connect.
3: For Wania Don Thibault, who grew up in a rural area, the connection was even as a child, not to urban life, but to nature. She handmade clothes for her teddy bear and made her own clothes in high school. Through her company, Buckskin Revolution, Thibault teaches people how to be more connected to nature. Her popular courses are tanning hides and sewing your own clothes from them and basket weaving. The classes which are most popular, roadkill you can eat and harvesting acorns for food. What has emerged since the pandemic is higher levels of loneliness and an increased interest in how to be self-reliant. While others have been seeking comfort in knowing how to be more attuned to nature From around the world, Thibault has been ironically, due to the pandemic, forced to leave nature in order to teach people about living in nature from afar. She had to move to a less isolated spot in order to get internet access to run her courses.
5: I never pictured that I would build my life in a way that I was connected to screens and needed to be around Wi-Fi so regularly. So it it has felt a little bit like sacrificing the life that's most satisfying to me in order to help the world and recognizing that people really need more grounding and more connection and more basis in what's real right now. She
3: now reaches 100 times more people than she did before the pandemic from all over the world. One person who lives in London has taken her course another in Belgium. Many apartment dwellers have learned through Thibault what it would be like to survive outdoors on their own. Before the pandemic, Thibault would lead people on long-term wilderness adventures with other people. The longest one she ever did was an eight-week backpacking course with 12 people out in the wild for weeks.
5: So, when we have other humans to socialize with, that's where we go to for our needs for connection. When we don't have that, we basically have two choices. We can feel alone and lonely and feel like we don't get those needs met, or we can look to all of the connections that are around us for that sense of community.
3: If you are with others, survival in the wild is easier. But when we are on our own, we have to learn how to get that initial panic under control. When we are alone and we realize that, the impulse is, Thibault says, to be overwhelmed by our surroundings. But we can turn that around.
5: People think of survival skills as how do I build a shelter and how do I get food and water and how do I start a fire? And those are important, but they're not as important as just allowing ourselves to pay more attention, to feel more comfortable, to recognize a sense of belonging when we're in wild places.
3: We don't have to be lost in the wilderness to take these basic survival skills and learn how it can help us understand what it's like to be alone and thrive, not just survive. When we panic at the realization we are frightened and alone, it hurts our long-term survival options. Thiebaud says one of the first lessons in survival skills is to slow down. Fear and panic at being left without any resources, whether it's in the wild or in our own internal wilderness, makes everything worse than it really is
5: when we're in a panicked state, our heart's beating faster, we're actually burning through our calories a lot faster, and we feel under threat. And so we're not going to be paying attention to those resources that help make our lives more sustainable and more comfortable. We're going to be looking for the dangers and missing everything else.
3: It's important not to miss those other things, because your survival could depend on it. And embracing hallucinations might be one of those things.
1: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Litter.
3: Rather than letting ourselves get spun out with fears when we have to survive on our own, the most important survival skill is to regulate our nervous system. Refocus your thinking towards connections, belonging, and gratitude. That's exactly what Rich Alati did. Alone in pitch darkness, he began hallucinating. He worried about how far his brain would go, and when that didn't help, he took the fear out of it and began to embrace it. He said to himself, I know this is not real, but I'm going to go along with it. Aladi ended up having a fun bubble party when the white bubbles appeared. Another time, Aladi began seeing windows in the bathroom and ceiling fans that weren't there. At one point, the ceiling just opened up and he let his mind go. He saw stars in the sky, And for that moment, they were exactly what he needed to survive being on his own.
2: The truth is that your toughest challenge is often not the weather. It's often not lack of food it can be the loneliness. And I would say that that loneliness combines with boredom. And that's one of the difficult things is, is it's a, that combination of loneliness and boredom is the real crusher.
3: Les Stroud knows more about surviving than almost anyone on Earth. He's been shipwrecked on the desert island of Tiburon, part of the Sonoran Desert where it's searing hot in the day and freezing cold at night. He survived off the coast of Belize in an inflatable life raft with no food. He's learned what it takes to overcome fatigue, loneliness, starvation in the Arctic tundra on northern Baffin Island. Stroud, the creator and star of Survivor Man and host of the podcast Surviving Life, has spent years working out what it's like to be on your own for weeks and months. In a survival situation, he says it can increase your likelihood of survival by 50% if you're with someone.
2: And the reason for that is the loneliness is immediately assuaged by the fact that someone else is there. And you can say, but you can be lonely with another person. Yeah, but it's still a lot different than when you're lonely and alone. Those, let's, and let's make that distinction, right? There's being lonely and then there's being alone. But if you put the two together, it's, it's tough.
3: When we're alone by ourselves and there's no one else around, we usually don't do something that Les Stroud says can help us deal with our loneliness. Vent, yell, be loud into the nothingness. We usually don't yell unless someone can hear us yelling. We don't punch the wall unless we think someone is going to see it. The unless is our belief that someone is there. So, Les Stroud advises, if you are alone and panicked and struggling to think about how you are going to survive on your own, do this, vent. It takes away awareness inside your own head that no one else is around. The loneliest he has ever felt, Stroud said, was once on a Survivor Man episode in Alaska, and his thoughts were the biggest threat to him.
2: And it was shortly after the decision to divorce my wife, which meant all of a sudden I had this reality in my brain that this means I'm not going to be with my children 24-7 when I'm home. And that was crushing to me. The only way I had of venting, and so in essence, it intensified the loneliness of that particular shoot it intensified the loneliness was now i had this anguish and the only way of venting I had was to cry and i have no problem with that
3: it doesn't end your loneliness but taking an action makes you aware even only in your brain someone can hear or react to your words or actions it can help you survive when you're alone million-dollar question Dr. Survival gets asked all the time is, who makes a good survivor? Can you just look at someone and say a person is going to make it, or that's the person who will win the $1 million cash prize for being the survivor, or in Alati's case, $100,000 for surviving alone for 30 days in a bathroom? In a professional setting, Sarita Robinson, Dr. Survival, gets this question. Can she predict who will make a good firefighter, a good soldier in the military? Screening is difficult, she says. There isn't the perfect psychological test or the right genetic traits engineered to create the ideal survivor.
4: But there are some things that my research has sort of tended to show. And one of them is around social support And people with higher levels of perceived social support do better in survival situations. If you feel that you're being supported, if you feel that there are people that you can call on to help you, then you just do much better. The other
3: thing that can help in these extreme survival situations is being in an optimistic frame of mind.
4: So the people who go in going, well, we're already dead, or I am I know I'm going to catch COVID, or if a plane crashes, there's nothing I can do about it, I'm dead already. Yeah, they are. Yeah, because they aren't going to take the correct actions to help them survive. So if you're in a plane crash and you think that's it, you're dead anyway, You're not going to put on your plane. you know, you're not going to put on your life jacket, you're not going to look for where the exit are, you're just going to curl up and die.
3: The key, says Dr. Survival, is to have an even balance. You don't want to be too overly optimistic and think you're going to survive without any effort. That means you're not going to go look for firewood or figure out how to get food or water. What you should strive to do is get to a nice midpoint be optimistic, but not so optimistic that you're not realistic. Les Stroud suggests the first thing anyone can do is move. Make wherever you are, if you're out in the wilderness, more comfortable, more livable. Just suck it up, as he likes to say.
2: So again, we come back to I too also will defeat loneliness by by getting active. Every survival situation you will read about that where people were successful they will talk about how they systematically became active they made lists of things to do and they started to act on those lists of things to do even if they seemed silly they're effective
3: the best way to move for Wania Thiebaud is to recognize even out in the wilderness on your own there is life around you people who take her course are usually in the cities in the Bronx and in Berlin The easiest thing to do, which everyone can do, no matter where they are, is to get in tune with whatever is moving and living and changing. Even in concrete, weeds grow, she says.
5: Two of the things that I really recommend people looking to for that sense of connection, especially if they're in more urban areas and if they're kind of starting with not feeling very connected, are the birds and the plants.
3: If you keep your eyes open and your ears tuned for noises and all your senses aware, the realization comes. Even when we're alone, there are living, growing beings around us. They aren't threatening. They are proof of life, even in our complete isolation. Richelotti bet he could last 30 days on his own, completely isolated in darkness. He didn't. He made it to day 20 and agreed to forego the $100,000 bet, settling for a lesser sum in order to leave. To leave is to let go, and that's a survival tip when you're alone. Letting go could mean venting and yelling, or even crying. If it works for a survivor man, Les Stroud, it will work for you and then figure out how to build a shelter and get a fire started. Be optimistic, but not too optimistic, and always be realistic. Put on your life jacket if your plane crashes. Your chances of survival goes up if you do. If you think you're not gonna make it, you won't, Dr. Survival tells us. Most of us won't need to figure out how to tan buckskin to make our own clothing, or have to discern what roadkill is edible in order to survive. But Knowing You Can has helped hundreds of people through the pandemic who learned from Wania Thibault. She moved from isolation to get to a place where she can interact with strangers who became her students through a screen. The most popular courses she offered during the pandemic were courses on being grateful and being aware of what's around you. You don't need to be stranded in the wilds to figure out those survival tips. Even in high-rises in the Bronx or Berlin, Thiebaud tells her students to look out their windows for the birds flying overhead and seek out plants everywhere they walk, even if it's on concrete. We survive when we form connections with time and nature. These cycles serve up reminders that even in complete darkness, there is light somewhere, even if you have to lose a bet to find it. Anyone can follow the rising of daylight and the setting of nightfall, and we can reset ourselves. We can thrive in darkness because we know the sun is on its way, and we can wait for the moon because the stars are there for us. We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. The sound engineer is Jeff Devine. Supervising producers for the show are Debbie O'Reilly and Guillermo Serrano. My name is Peg Fong. I'm the host and writer. What's your favourite survival tip? Mine's from Les Stroud. Bring a harmonica. Share with us on social media at apostrophe pod. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.